You're listening to WERALP, Arlington, Virginia, 96.7 FM, streaming and on demand at WERA.FM. You have to be genuinely curious about people. You can't presuppose. We all do it, but you have to be able to suspend it. And that's a habit. I mean, that's a practice that we can all do. Coming to you from the studios at Arlington Independent Media, I'm your host, Lynn Borton, and this is Choose to be Curious. Welcome. Typically, when I'm preparing an episode, I do a fair amount of research before sitting down with my guest. Of course, I like to read or listen to anything they may have written or presented, but I'm also curious about what others are thinking on whatever the topic is. Often, because I'm poking into hidden curiosity corners, there isn't necessarily much to read. A study or two, maybe, a thought paper that touches in some modest or tangential way on whatever it is I've decided to focus upon, but often the pool is shallow and I'm reaching for content. Not this time. A simple web search of curiosity and diversity unleashed a torrent of articles from HR companies, Fortune 500s, Harvard Business Review, web conversations and blogs like Medium and Quora. There's no shortage of material on the subject. So we know people are paying attention, but but why? And what does or might it look like here in Arlington? Well, funny you should ask. Some weeks ago, I received an email from the Leadership Center for Excellence promoting a newly launching initiative, the DMV Diversity and Inclusion Institute. Nowhere in the text did the word curiosity appear, but to me, it was clearly in the subtext. And I shot off an email to Karen Coltrane, president and CEO, to ask if we could talk about it. For over 25 years, Karen has worked in nonprofit management, fund development, and community building, most recently as president and CEO of Adventure Children's Museum in Columbia, South Carolina, before that as president and CEO of the Children's Museum of Richmond. She is passionate about partnering with boards of directors to craft winning business visions, a passion she's been able to fulfill for the last year as president and CEO of the Leadership Center for Excellence. LCE's mission is to enlighten, inspire, and connect leaders through community building and leadership development. As a Leadership Arlington class of 2014 graduate, I've watched Karen's work in the last year, and I was delighted and not surprised to see the Diversity and Inclusion Institute materialize. I'm delighted she's here with me today to talk about it. So welcome, Karen. Thank you. Glad to be here. It's great to have you. So let's start first for those in the audience who might not actually be familiar with the Leadership Center for Excellence. Give us kind of your elevator speech about it. <laughs> That's great. It'll be a long ride. Uh, I'll try to edit it. <laughs> the Leadership Center, in my view, is really about increasing our community's leadership capacity. So there, I guess that's just a couple floors. But, okay, that's pretty um, good. So that, that's a broad enough tent to do a whole lot of, mm-hmm. of things. But, you know, leaders need to be professionally developed themselves as well as connect with other leaders. So, you know, we're a nonprofit organization committed to helping with both of those things. In our programming, we really strive to make sure that the nonprofit, the for-profit, and the government sectors are all represented in what we do. So that really adds a richness and 
diversity Mm -hmm. to the learning and the experience. So when I moved out of Virginia for the first time in my, at the point, 50 years on the planet, Mm -hmm. I said, oh, I saw Leadership South Carolina. I thought, I'm going to go through that. Uh-huh. And I thought, I, I, I want to know more about leadership. I want to know more about the academic side. So kind of, you know, that curiosity leads you someplace. Uh-huh. And I went through Leadership South Carolina. Great networking, but not so much on leadership content. So actually, that drove me to, at my advanced age, to end up with a master's degree in, in leadership. Because you did that at the Citadel, right? I did. Yeah. And I was interested if there was... What, if anything, you thought you learned about diversity and curiosity in that program, in that context? A lot, to, uh-huh. to be honest with you, because, of course, my day job was running a children's museum. Right, so you which were is, bringing that with you well, into the Well, it's a curiosity day. factory every day. I mean, that's essentially right. what it is. And uh, it's designed to inspire and support curiosity in mm-hmm. children, because that is how humans learn. Right. I mean, that is our innate drive. So I love that that's your focus of your show. So <laughs> that I just totally get that from my background. <laughs> well, I loved your note about, you know, it's a, it's a value for me. And I thought, okay, we're going to have a great conversation. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> (laughs) it is a value for me so because I was the kid that asked why 50 times that Mm -hmm. drove everybody insane so it's kind of and I and I still do that you can go ask the staff at leadership center (laughs) they've been putting up with that for the last year why do we do it that way why is it that way but I find it to be a great question I've read like you mentioned medium earlier I was just reading something this weekend about ask why five times and I'm like Uh oh only five okay I'll slow it down Maybe I should do that. But I the Citadel was interesting to me because, honestly, when it comes to diversity and inclusion, as much as you see headlines about, you know, the gender challenges and different challenges, military actually will tackle these issues. Yep. And, you know, they don't have it right all the time, but they're getting it better. But I was just really interested in their take on leadership, and I was happily pleasantly and I'm not going to say surprised because I wasn't surprised but it was their commitment to diversity is real Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. at least at the top levels whether or not you can penetrate that through you know you have your up and down times and I and I get how challenging that is when you keep doing everything you can and you know leadership is not about what you do to followers leadership is about making you someone that other people want to follow. So it's so interesting you say that because I was I was sort of wanting to get kind of your definition I'm like well this is all predicated on talking about leaders and leadership but what do we mean by that and um, I like this definition of a leader is someone who has willing followers, not people who have to fall into step behind them. Because I think Leadership Arlington, my class, we had a pretty broad definition of leader, I would say. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't always the scions of business that were in the class. So that's a kind of diversity to begin with. Talk to me about sort of how you see leaders and leadership as a defining feature of your Business, because I think that's sort of foundational to the conversation about the institute. Yeah, I think that's right. Obviously, you want the best outcomes for whatever mission everybody's there to do, be mm-hmm. it nonprofit, for profit, you know, government, whatever it is, you want the best possible outcomes. Research shows that if you can harness diverse the diversity around you, right, that you will have better outcomes. So this really isn't the debatable part. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Now, it's hard. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, it pushes people out of their comfort zones. You have to recognize, no matter how well you think of yourself, <laughs> that you have biases and blind spots. Yeah. And that's really hard on an individual level, especially if you are at leadership in an organization because you have been getting feedback that you're pretty good at what you do mm -hmm. or you wouldn't be in a positional leadership role, right? So to be able to say, nope, I want to tear it open and go a little bit deeper because I may not have what I need right now to fully embrace this diversity in order to have better outcomes. Right. So I don't know if you're familiar with Jim Collins. Oh, yeah. Okay, great. Good to great. Good to great. <laughs> Love good to great. But I tie this kind of back into what he saw in defining a level four leader and a level five leader. A level four leader is someone who can marshal people and inspire them to go for a goal, which sounds fantastic. The difference between a level four and that one level up where he saw the really great outcomes mm -hmm. for organizations was actually when the leader could transcend that even and sort of sublimate themselves to the greater cause. I guess I would characterize it as he did with you channel your ambition not for yourself but for your organizational outcomes. Mm -hmm. So I see a parallel between Jim Collins' discoveries around what what leadership looks like at that level versus someone who's willing to say, yeah, I may be the head of a Fortune 100 company or I may run a big nonprofit or a big division or the sheriff's office. Uh -huh. But whatever it is that I do, I'm willing to look a little bit deeper because I could be better, which will then make the organization better. Right. Because diversity is not going anywhere. I always kind of say diversity we have. Mm hmm you know, if you're working on you, and you may have to work on diversity, we do at the Leadership Center, but inclusion is where the work is. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yep. I've talked to a lot of DNI professionals, um, diversity and inclusion professionals, as a result of pulling this program together, and they'll kind of lean in quietly and say, I'm hitting the numbers on recruits and hires in the different categories of how we define diversity. But we're losing them on the back end. Mm -hmm. And that's the inclusion piece. Mm -hmm. And then you start to hear equity added right. in as another component. Right. right. And this. it starts to look like window dressing and it's not a, it's not a meaningful inclusion. So right. so what's the goal then for the institute here? And you're you're drawing not just in Arlington, right? Yeah. This is the yeah. whole DMV. Yeah. Know, it's a kind of broader area. So what's your goal? It, it felt bad to be inclusive and then make it geographically <laughs> exclusive. So I hadn't thought of that. that. Touche. Yeah. Touche. Okay. So what's the goal? I mean, if this if this goes exactly as you hope it does, mm -hmm. what's true? Our goal is that we will graduate cohorts that have a shared experience in language in this space that have a little bit wider lens mm -hmm. and a little bit more tools in the toolbox mm -hmm. to be able to go back to their organizations and improve inclusion in those organizations. And what are you doing to get outside the usual suspects? Because it seems like it'd be the kind of thing that certain people who are already primed would show up and yeah. the people who really need to be there would just blow past the emails. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. We got to get there, right? right. Um, a lot of white males will tell me, oh, that's not for me because I'm not diversity and uh -huh. I'm not inclusion. Uh -huh. And I just, uh, this this is why I love this program, because this invites everyone to the table. Uh -huh. It's about inclusion. 
So we're not excluding anybody. And there are different diversity dimensions. It's not just gender and race. I mean, those are the ones that obviously we yeah, can see. Yeah, I'm glad see. to hear you say that, when, too. Because when I can, think that becomes the the assumptive shorthand. Right. And it misses the whole mess of important well it does i mean you can't we all have a shell but um there's a whole lot about you that i can't tell right just from looking at you and that's i think where real inclusion happens mm-hmm. i mean again i come out of a children's museum background so i'm very interested in neurodiversity you know one of the little things i learned is in a children's museum was at the end of the night you have to put everything back where 3,000 children have torn it apart, right? That, <laughs> uh-huh. That's part of the day. You know who's great at that? People with, on the autism spectrum. Sure. You know, so it's those little things of how can we make an inclusive organization? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a role. Yeah. And, and who might be good for that role? And broadening out who we think about when we think about who could do certain jobs or who could perform things um, and be contributing to the success of the organization. Nice, nice. So are there things that you've done in the Leadership Center in the last year that are kind of along that line? Well, we're trying to. In fact, one of the things that the board just voted on and has not been communicated. So how about if I break a little news okay, here? Okay, breaking you. news. You good with here. that? There okay, you go. breaking news. Is the board looked at our membership process mm-hmm. and said, um, hmm, well, if we are going to be devoted to in- inclusivity, we're charging people to stay involved with us. Uh-huh. And maybe we need to revisit that. So the alumni model mm-hmm. of you've been through one of our programs now you're a part of us mm-hmm. is um, something that we are looking mm. very closely at oh, um, and the board voted to move in that direction uh-huh. so you know we've got to figure it out financially and what that means but there's another way that we can we can do that that signals and says we want you to stay involved you it's not necessarily about whether or not you can afford to pay to stay involved right and I you know as as one of the people who came in with a scholarship as mm-hmm. a nonprofit, and my participation since has all been, you know, out of my own wallet. Well, that assumes a certain level yes, of of financial capacity mm-hmm. that, by definition, excludes a whole group it does. of people and excludes people's potentially changing circumstances. You know, right, right. So, bravo. Well, thank you. Bravo. Thank you. Good. Trying to. Make it a line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So tell me, for the lucky few who are going to be in this class, this mm-hmm. first one, because, you know. This is our this pilot program. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So what, uh, what, what, what's going to happen? What's the experience going to be? Well, the facilitator is fantastic, and I can say that. I've actually been through this program as a participant myself. Okay, so you know so, what you see. So I know what, yes, I won't be surprised. Mm-hmm. And what I learned from having gone through the program is it must be a facilitator in this space who knows what they're doing because this goes to some some tough places and especially when you're evaluating lifelong held beliefs that you don't that you take as truisms and don't even understand it are beliefs Mm -hmm. and how they might be impacting someone else when you had no intention of doing that that is really rough work Mm -hmm. and it should not be left in hands of folks who aren't very skilled at that so if we were going to do this I wanted it to be a a, a amazing high quality I went through this program it's actually through Furman University Mm -hmm. Uh, it's called the Riley Institute it's named for Dick Riley who was a department 
Education, or Secretary of Education for years, federal level, and then he returned to South Carolina when he retired, and he was a Furman graduate and started this institution because he said South Carolina has challenges, mm-hmm. and we need to have a cohort of leaders across the state who have a shared experience and can start to improve us at a granular level. Mm, yeah. So I was actually tapped to be in the program. You you are invited to be in that program. Didn't really know what to expect, but I felt myself transform. I watched everyone else in the group transform. And when I came up here and I was kind of looking for the same thing, I couldn't find it. Mm-hmm. And I eventually called the facilitator of the program who's based out of Atlanta, Juan Johnson. He had an interesting story quickly, I'll tell you. Juan was the head of investor relations for Coca-Cola, one of the youngest African-American mm-hmm. board voted mm-hmm. vice presidents in the company, has an accounting background. Okay, so he's just living his life and doing his thing. Right. And Coca-Cola it gets on the wrong side of a of a lawsuit with a class action suit with their African-American employees. Mm. And the CEO goes to him and says, uh, I need your help. You've got to come out of investor relations and, and come help Coca-Cola figure this out. Mm. And that was before D&I was a thing, right? You know, and there isn't even language and Juan's learning by mistake and trial and error. And, and Coke transforms and becomes a company that people start to look to as a leader in this space over time. So when he retired, he was getting calls and Secretary Riley tapped him to to develop this program um, and they ran it through Furman. So it's been vetted, awarded. It's a thing. We know what it what it does (laughs) and we know its transformative ability. So I called Juan and said, I need I need you in the D.C. area. Who's up here who who really, you know, could do this? And he said, well, you know, I actually have family up there. I'd, I'll come do it if you'd have me. Oh, nice. And I was like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> I will have you. So uh-huh. um, so I'm very excited to, to bring what Juan offers to the community through the Leadership Center. Very cool. So, of course, I made this immediate assumption on the basis of a single email that this was really a curiosity enterprise. Mm. Prove my prove my assumption. Okay, I think I can probably do that. You are right in what you said earlier is that it's going to take people who whose hearts and minds are at least open to understanding and learning more about this to be in this program. I don't think you can compulsory. This is not one of those uh, programs where we can say, okay, you've had five violations, and so (laughs) HR is sending you to to sensitivity training. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that goes so well. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) and, and, And honestly, I think, I think that's one of the things they're learning. Um, DNI professionals will will say that that is not how it just doesn't work that way. Right. And that's why Juan's program I thought was so fascinating when I went through it because it's about organizational outcomes. We can all agree to that. Mm-hmm. If we can't agree to that, then we really shouldn't be in the room, right? Because right. you you know. So if every and that's the framework in which this program is is sort of designed. Yes, it's the right thing to do. Yes, it's all those, but it actually improves our work mm-hmm. if we can or whatever it is that we're working on our our project if we can successfully gather diverse thought, uh, diverse experiences, all of that comes to the table and better informs what we're doing and how we're going to do it. Right, right. Yeah. I was in my reading um, in anticipation of this. I came across some research from Sylvia Ann Hewlett, Melinda Marshall, 
and Laura Sherbin, who wrote for a Harvard Business mm-hmm. Review, and they wrote in an article, How Diversity Can Drive Innovation, that leaders who give diverse voices equal airtime are nearly twice as likely as others to unleash value-driving insights. And I want to bring that back to this question of value, because you identified right off the start as curiosity as a value. Mm-hmm. Speak to that in the diversity and inclusion context, if you would. You know, I guess where I see it play out is you have to be genuinely curious about people. You can't presuppose. We all do it, mm-hmm. but you have to be able to suspend it and say and really work at what where does that come from? Where does that statement you just made in a meeting? Tell me more about that. Mm-hmm. Where is that coming from? And that's a habit. Yep. I mean, that's a practice yep. that we can all do. If you said, Karen, make sure you ask everybody two or three questions. If, so if I were being coached, you know, a, a, a coach would probably say that to me as a leader. I do this a lot. I try to. I work on this. Let me say I work on this a lot. Um, <laughs> it's a practice. It's a practice. We practice it. Yeah. We try. I wait and hear everybody else's input before uh-huh. I give mine. Uh-huh. Again, I ask questions because I've learned over time that, you know, because my natural inclination as a talker, as you can tell, is to talk mm-hmm. and to give my thoughts. And I think by talking. So these are very dangerous things in in leadership because it can shut down where other people are. So if you know that about yourself, then you can learn practices. I think most females in particular can relate to being in a meeting, saying something. And if there's men in the room, they might not hear it. Right. And then another man repeats it. And then it's a brilliant idea. And everybody kind of goes that. And, you know, most of the time we women will go, Yeah, there it is again, you know, as opposed to going, I said that (laughs) 15 minutes ago. But if you do, then you that can be viewed through people's lenses as annoying and and that type of thing. So a leader needs to learn these types of small, little Mm -hmm. skills Mm -hmm. that can are little maybe skills is the wrong word, but little techniques that can help create an inclusive um, environment that gets more ideas on the table. Invariably. I find the the answer that makes everything pivot doesn't come from me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it mm-hmm. just doesn't. Yeah. You know, my role is to kind of once it lands on the table and starts flopping around, then I can go, oh, that's a fish. Grab the fish right. is kind of my contribution to the to the thing. But usually the really good ideas are out. Come from other places. Well, and of course, that I mean, that's really the the argument for diversity and inclusion, right? Um, that you have people at the table, you have people with their fishing rods out there, so mm-hmm. that they can bring things in. Another one of the things that I had have heard in the leadership context is a good leader is self aware, mm-hmm. and I think of this in this context of sort of recognizing I have some biases here. Yeah. Who can I bring into this conversation that will counterbalance that, will push back about it, or that I'll just shut up, you know, and Mm -hmm. let that voice be heard? Yeah, it's funny because this just happened recently, and I am part of a museum roundtable that I've been in Mm. myself as a museum CEO. And Mm -hmm. so I was sitting with several museum that run big, huge institutions from across the country. And we were having this conversation actually about diversity and inclusion. 
And one of the people said, I don't understand all this Mm -hmm. because, you know, I grew up poor and several of us were just kind of sinking through the floor. You know, I I listened to everybody and I, you know, da, 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 da. And you could just see the, you could see the blind spot. Mm -hmm. And the person left to actually go to the restroom and a couple of us kind of turned and said, what can we do? Right. How can we support this person? She hasn't done anything wrong. She, Her intentions are fabulous. She's a great leader. What can we do to support her so that she can see this blind spot in a way that is not threatening and, and supportive of who she is and, and honors all her background, uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. but lets her, lets her see this this gap to help her be better going along and it's tough I mean we didn't come to a conclusion I'll be honest I was gonna say what'd you what'd you come up with wouldn't you love it um (laughs) no I mean we we well we it was a quick trip to the restroom so we didn't have a whole lot of time to (laughs) contemplate it but but I loved that people saw it wanted to support her it wasn't a that's a wrong way to think go get in the corner it wasn't a threatening environment and I think that's important that's I think what's been part of the challenge of DNI programming a lot of times inside organizations Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as it's like all right we're going to change the way we think today and we're going to go this way and it threatens people and then you can't learn when you're threatened you're not curious when you're threatened right so there's really interesting research around that in terms of fear and anxiety kind of shutting down curiosity curiosity also being a way to push back against those things but also kind of the Curiosity is an invitation to ambiguity and uncertainty and a tolerance mm-hmm. for those things. Because mm-hmm. what you're talking about is really building people's tolerance for some uncertainty at points where they come in with a lot of certainty. And how do we how do we tool people for that? How do we tool people for that? Mm-hmm. Well, that's what we're going to try to explore is mm-hmm. what can we do the ability to peel back and go, mm, lifelong learning, even about <laughs> myself, is hard. And yeah. so when you say who's in this who's in this program, people that are even sniff at this program are infinitely interesting to me yeah. because they're willing to say they're confident enough, I would characterize it, to say, nope, I got some cooking to do. I could do better. Yeah. I could do better. Nice. So if people want to learn more about the center, about the program, where where do they go? We are online at www.leadercenter.org. Great. And I'll have I'll have links to it on my website, as well as I'll put the uh, Jim Collins work oh, um, up through Facebook and that sort of thing so people can find it. So, so Karen, thank you so much for this. I'm really interested to see how this goes. I'll, I'll be staying in touch. Good. I love that. You've been listening to WERA 96.7 FM. If you joined us late or want to catch up with this or any of the other great programs here on Radio Arlington, check us out online and on demand at WERA.FM. You can hear all my previous shows on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Mixcloud, SoundCloud, and Facebook, all at Choose to Be Curious, and on my website at choosetobecurious.com. I hope you follow me there and on Twitter at choose number two, letter B, curious. Many thanks to my guest, Karen Coltrane. Links to the Leadership Center for Excellence and some of those better articles on diversity, inclusion, and curiosity on my website. Check them out. Thanks, too, to Sean Ballack for our theme music. I hope you'll join us again next time. Until then, choose to be curious.
Choose to be Curious is sponsored in part by realtor Christine Hopkins. Curious about real estate? Christine works with clients from around the world using her time and knowledge to build community. As she likes to say, community engagement has always been my big why. Working in real estate has helped me express that. What makes you part of a community more than living there? For more information, visit facebook.com slash Nova House Hunter.